Welcome to Clippings, the official podcast of the Council for Nail Disorders, where Drs. April Schachtel and Catherine Stiff take a closer look at articles and clippings published on all things nail disease. Listeners can suggest articles for this podcast or topics of discussion by sending an email to kristen.cnd at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to episode 13 of the Clippings Podcast, where we review nail papers and present them to you. I'm April Schachtel, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Catherine Stiff. Hey, April. My article this month is titled, Efficacy and Safety of Phenol-Based Partial Matricectomy in Treatment of Onychocryptosis, Systematic Review and Meta-Analysis. It comes from Drs. Vinay et al., and it is e-published ahead of print as of December 2021 in the Journal of European Academy of Dermatology and Venereology. This is a systematic review and meta-analysis looking at the efficacy and safety profile of phenol-based matricectomy. The background is that onychocryptosis or ingrown toenail is a common painful condition mostly affecting young people that's characterized by pain, discharge, and swelling of the nail folds, mostly on the great toe. Treatment can be complicated by frequent recurrences and postoperative complications. So the ideal procedure is one that can be performed under local anesthesia, easy to perform, high rate of success, minimal recovery time, cosmetically acceptable, and minimal post-op morbidity. A commonly used treatment is partial avulsion of the nail plate with matricectomy, and ways to achieve this matricectomy include surgical excision, electrocautery, and chemicals. Chemical matricectomy can be done with phenol, trichloroacetic acid, or TCA, and sodium hydroxide, among others. Phenol is the most commonly used treatment. It has antiseptic and demyelinating properties and the ability to coagulate proteins. Many individual studies have been done comparing methods, but a prior meta-analysis was more focused on surgical techniques, and it lacked the evidence to suggest a first-line treatment for onychocryptosis. So briefly, this group, in their methods, they searched electronic databases for onychocryptosis, ingrown nails, phenol, and chemical matrixectomy. They included all controlled trials that had, least, had at least one arm with phenol matrixectomy include, that included at least 10 patients. They looked at the quality of the studies, the quality of the evidence, and they synthesized the information on recurrence rates, incidence of infection, discharge, hemorrhage, and pain. They found 18 controlled trials comparing phenol with another modality for treating ingrown toenails. 11 of those trials compared phenol to surgical modality. Four compared it with phenol and a different chemical. Two compared it with phenol with a sleeve procedure, and one compared phenol with electrocautery. A total of 1,772 nails were included in the final analysis, of which 881 were treated with phenol and 891 were treated with the other modalities. The participants were about 60% male, and the average age was from a range of 16 to 41. This age range fits with most studies, and the usual gender prevalence of onychocryptosis 
which is thought to be due to the fact that men perspire more, they may wear closed-toed shoes more often, and be more overweight than women. Five studies had a follow-up duration of more than a year, which was considered very good, but nine had a follow-up of only six months or less, which is probably not an adequate amount of time to follow for recurrence after this procedure, given that toenails take at least a year to regrow fully. So for their results, they found that nail matrix phenol matricectomy combined with lateral avulsion was associated with 49 fewer recurrences per thousand patients compared to other modalities with an odds ratio of 0.47. However, that was not statistically significant with a p-value of 0.87. One study by Miziak et al. looked at an analysis of recurrence by age, and they found that the older patients had a tenfold greater risk of recurrence when treated with phenol compared to younger patients who were treated with phenol. So given that older patients have thick and dystrophic nails and multiple comorbidities are common, they may need more studies in this age group specifically. Overall, there were 177 cases fewer per 1,000 patients of discharge or hemorrhage with phenol compared to all the other modalities together, which was statistically significant with a relative risk of 0.3. Interestingly, some individual studies actually showed that TCA specifically had less post-op discharge compared to phenol and also that the duration of the discharge was longer with phenol compared to sodium hydroxide. For example, in one study by Grover et al., the phenol had a median of 18 days of discharge versus 15 for the sodium hydroxide. Sodium hydroxide is alkaline and it does liquefactive but not coagulative necrosis, which may be a cause for less drainage and oozing with that chemical. Patients experienced less pain on average with phenol, which was statistically significant, and there was no significant difference in the rates of infection. So to summarize, the recurrences trended towards fewer with phenol. Compared to all the other methods, the phenol had lower rates of pain, discharge, and hemorrhage, although specifically TCA and sodium hydroxide had the lowest risk of discharge and hemorrhage. Phenol had less pain than other outcomes, and infection rates were the same. So overall, the authors conclude that this high-quality evidence overall favors phenol matricectomy compared to the other modalities. All right. Yeah, phenol is what we use, and we make sure to always warn patients about the yellowish drainage they'll have for a while, but it seems to be well-tolerated and effective. Great. Okay, so I chose the article Longitudinal Perioperative Pain Assessment in Nail Surgery by Dr. Jose Ricardo, Yuxing Xu, and Dr. Sherry Lipner. He published ahead of print November 2021 in the Journal of American Academy of Dermatology. The authors aim to quantify and characterize perioperative pain during nail surgery. 20 nail surgery patients greater than 18 years were enrolled in a prospective observational study from August 2020 to August 2021. The Wong-Baker scale from 0 to 10 was used to assess pain levels. For anesthesia, 1% lidocaine without epinephrine was injected as a wing block with the use of ethyl chloride spray. The mean age was 50 years and 65% of patients were women. The mean pain score during anesthesia was 3.5, 
and intraoperatively was 0.2. Patients less than 50 and those who reported pre-surgery pain experienced higher mean pain scores during anesthesia initiation. The mean pain scores peaked at 5.7, 6 to 12 hours after surgery, and pain decreased to 1.8 on postoperative day 5. The highest mean pain scores on postoperative days 0 to 1 were associated with the presence of presurgical pain. So this is a small sample size and results are based on a single physician with a single anesthetic technique. However, it does provide evidence that nail surgery is associated with moderate to severe pain, and we should be mindful of that when considering postoperative pain meds. We also can, of course, advise our patients to alternate with acetaminophen and ibuprofen. In addition, the authors in this study used lidocaine, which is known to be shorter acting compared to some other anesthetic agents. A prospective study by Drs. Karamatis and Rodopoulou from 2007 compared rupivacaine to lidocaine in digital nerve blocks and found that rupivacaine had a duration of anesthesia of 21.5 hours compared to 2.4 hours with lidocaine, and that when rupivacaine was used, patients had less requirements for analgesics in the first 24 hours. So this suggests that by using rapivacaine, you may be able to decrease that peak in pain seen 6 to 12 hours after surgery and subsequently reduce the need for pain medications. And I would be interested to see a study with the same methods as this one using rapivacaine instead of lidocaine to see if they still have similar pain scores. They're just pushed back to when the rapivacaine wears off. I think that would be great. I have switched to using only ropivacaine for my nail surgeries. And I don't know that it lasts as long as that study showed in every patient, but it certainly Mm -hmm. makes the anesthesia last during the most important highest pain time uh, that was described in this article. So I think it's very helpful, although not certainly a cure-all. Yep, I agree. All right, Catherine, thank you for joining me on this episode of Clippings. I want to thank our listeners for their attention. To all of our listeners, please share this podcast with your colleagues and trainees. Let us know how we are doing and which articles you'd like us to review on the show by contacting kristen.cnd at gmail.com or find us on Instagram at Nail Disorders or on Twitter at Nail Disorders. Thank you.